Hey everybody, welcome to the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Andrew. This is Josh. Eric. We have Eric here today. Our candy bar guy. With further proof that to get fame and fortune by being on the show, just happen to be here while we're recording. And you can join <laughs> us. <laughs> so anybody out there listening, just drop by sometime and you can be on the show too. We are recording on July Thursday, July 20th, so we'll be chatting about movies from July 21st to the 27th. It's a busy week just because with our normal films, and plus, sadly, we had two deaths of iconic mm-hmm. a cinema actor and director this week on the same day, not that long ago. When was it? A few days ago? A week ago? Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Monday. Sunday, Monday. George, uh, George Romero died on, well, the news was on Sunday. Right. And then Martin Lando soon after. Yeah. And then today, the co-star of Saw 7, Chester Bennington, died. So that's pretty sad, too. Not really up there with those two, but... Saw yeah. 7. Yeah, and, there, yeah. and there was, was a, char- <laughs> a character actor. I just forgot his name, but I know he, he was in Meatballs. Oh, yeah. Oh, Harvey Atkin, yeah. And he did a lot of cartoon voiceover work. And he was the voice of the Leon's commercials. Yeah. Oh, if I, and he, he was did, on Cagney and Lacey, I think. He did one called it was a it's a really good comic book and, and a cartoon called Sam and Max and it's like a it's like a, a cop bunny and dog. Oh yeah yeah. Really funny and he was a voice on that. Poor twenty sixteen got a bad rap, but I was like, I don't wanna be morbid, but this is just gonna keep happening. You it's know a depressing week. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But George Romero, Lee's not here this week, but we were chatting about it just in recent episodes because years ago I went to Pittsburgh to do the big George Romero tour. And, and he was just there like a month ago. And he might go back soon. He said that he had, oh, it's uh, there's a convention coming there with Burt Reynolds is going to be there. So, oh! So, yeah. So, he might he's looking for a road trip partner. So, no. Andrew, you might oh, want to go with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know when it is, but it's another geek convention and, yeah. and a rare appearance of Burt Reynolds. Dude. And Lee went to... I think he hit everywhere. Because when I was there, I went to the mall, mm. which is still the mall. It, it, it's a weird... Flashback when you go because you're just standing in the dawn of the dead zombies. (laughs) Yeah, essentially, and the graveyard. And we mentioned it before, but the if you've watched Night of the Living Dead at all, the drive that's kind of the opening credits. You take that drive to get to the graveyard. Oh man! So you're having this weird like you think it should be in black and white (laughs) going in your head. But yeah, it's very sad. George was not super old. He was in his 70s, mm-hmm. but I know he was, he had some bad health for a little while. He had uh, lung cancer, which I wasn't aware of, I guess, until the news broke. And uh, he was just at Comic-Con this last May, yeah. and I didn't go, and I'm kicking myself for that, because yeah. that would have been my only chance to meet him. It really is one of those things where I'm so glad that a good handful of my heroes, like, I've got to just at least briefly meet. Like, like I, I got to shake hands with Bruce Campbell and get an autograph, and that kind of stuff, because... When you miss meeting somebody, then this happens. Oh, it's just like, he was right there. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah. you know. But Lee met him. I think Lee brought the kids. He met him a few times. Yeah. Though, he was, Lee was on the set of Land of the Dead, I believe. Yeah. Um, and George, for one of his last films, he recorded a little hello for us, didn't he? He did that a couple times for us. He, when we, we, when we did the, the live presentation of Night of the Living Dead with live dialogue right. and sound effects oh, and right. music. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. He recorded an intro for that, and then we showed a print of The Crazies, yeah. which he, he recorded an intro for that as well. Yeah. That might still be kicking around in our archives. Yeah, we should try to find that. But, uh, so yeah, he knew he knew about the Mayfair and was uh, yes. kind of a, yeah, sort of like a friend of the Mayfair. So he knew about us. Um, unfortunately, he, he never got to come here. No, so which close. Which is a real shame. 
He was, yeah, he he was close to coming here, but I, he couldn't come for the Night of Living Dead because he was promoting, I think, his last film, Survival of the Dead. And you look at his resume, and he's done a lot of great stuff, but you'll see little holes in his resume. And that's not because he was taking a break. There's all these films that he almost did, or yeah. like big Hollywood films, like he was in the running or at least I don't know what this means but at one point he was talking with somebody for Resident Evil mm-hmm. yeah the, he wrote a script for Resident Evil and he uh, of all things the Brandon Fraser mummy movie he was in Man. he was in yeah. there at one point he was gonna do Salem's Lot uh, until Toby Hooper ended up doing that yeah so there's a lot although he had a nice resume that you can see there's a lot of places where it's hard to make a movie no matter who you are so even George Romero when he was like I did Night Living Dead and Creepshow. It still wasn't just open doors for him. And now the sad but nice silver lining is his producing partner has said that there, there's two or three projects in the go that George had 100% finished a script for. And he's going to spend the next few years trying to make those see the light of day. I think those will happen. I think those should happen now. Especially, you know, all they need is somebody who loved George to kind of get a hold of it. Like, you know get it into Edgar Wright's hands and get him to executive oh, produce man. it or something like that, yeah. you know? So Even like Empire of the Dead was supposed to come out, like the TV series on AMC. And yeah. I don't know if that's dead mm. in the water. That feels too punny at this point. Right, yeah. We can't laugh yet, but <laughs> no, yeah. still, like, that would have been cool. And, and just... that's the thing. If anyone out there is looking for more Romero material, I really recommend his comic books. Yeah, he wrote a bunch of... of bunch uh, of stuff for DC. Books, yeah. yeah w- weren't they called Empire of the Dead? Yeah, it was... That was the way, yeah, because he had done that comic and it was going to get adapted. Or, oh, okay. And, but yeah, I think he had done some other stuff as well, but I never got to that. Yeah, like you can find, I think, at least three or four kind of collections of like four to six issues each in a collection that he did for DC Comics. And they're all kind of in their own little world that could be in canon with the Dead movies, I think. Yeah. Uh, I just there's one scene with an elephant, and I want that scene <laughs> to see the light of day. An elephant in a zombie movie, yeah. and it, it is kind of stuff that when you see filmmakers who were always battling with budgets do comic books, it's just freeing because I'm mm. sure when George was doing Dawn of the Dead, if he was like, I want a scene where an elephant escapes from the zoo, they'd be like, Yeah, George, we can't afford an elephant. Yeah. We can barely afford the yeah. motorbikes. It's you like know? the Day of the Dead original script, you know, like they just yeah. slash the budget. Like, do you want it R rated or do you want the high budget? Cannibal. Yeah, he it was supposed to be uh, kind of a bigger universe in a way well there's but it takes place day of the dead is underground but there was some above ground mm-hmm. stuff happening oh, that right. he had to cut because of his budgetary problems yeah. at least we got the alligator though yeah <laughs> yeah that's oh amazing. that's right yeah not enough but still good i'm not a big fan of day of the dead to me don is his masterpiece right yeah. and uh i like land a lot i really like land night, yeah uh, night of living dead day of the dead has some good stuff in it but yeah it's, to it's me, talky Dawn, obviously it's very but... talky I like how different the trilogy is. Like, they're all totally different tonally, and they work on their own for what it is. But, like, Day is, like, kind of tragic, because, like, the original script version, which I guess yeah. Land is loosely based on, yeah. would have been amazing, but, like, we just, we're never going to know. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele came out and praised just a little tweet. Nowadays, that's how you do it, right? Yeah. And it was just a little tweet, and it said something like, George did it first, and it had yeah. a picture from Night of the Living Dead, where it's... And George has said it really... He didn't do it for heroic means. It was really just he was the best actor they had. So he wasn't really... And that makes it even better. Mm -hmm. Like, he was cast for his skill. But it stands out when it's... Especially at the time, this black and white movie, and you have this... Your hero in the film is in this time of kind of exploitation cinema, and, Mm -hmm. and he's just a guy trying to survive a zombie movie. Yeah. And that... 
really stuck with, I think, a lot of young filmmakers and, and just that now, decades later, Jordan Peele, who's on the heels of directing this giant, successful, and acclaimed horror film, mm-hmm. points out that, yep, George Romero did this, so... Yeah. That's really well, cool. Well, because Get Out is, you know, about African-Americans being uh, brainwashed. Brainwashed, yeah. Well, not yeah, brainwashed, yeah. but yeah. Uh, turned into sort of... Semi Atom- Atom- automatons, yeah, zombies of a certain sense. Kind in of. a way, yeah. George Romero, you know, well, George Romero, in Night of the Living Dead, race wasn't an issue, but well, kind right. of was underneath the surface. But, yeah, yeah, that's what it's, it's it's sort of accidental. Yeah, and they don't bring it up really at all no. in that movie. Like it's just sort of like lingering. But it's, well, like, it's kind it of amazing to watch because the tension between uh, Dwayne Jones, the the black actor in Night of the Living Dead, and uh, the white. Uh, actor, I forget his name. The dumb guy. Yeah, yeah Harry. <laughs> Harry, Harry, Harry and uh, Ben, the the two characters. It's not racial between them. It's not a racial tension. It's mm-hmm. just a male leadership tension. There's no racism brought up. Yeah. There's no N-word. There's no... And there could know, have been easy. And there could have been, They could yeah. have said, we want to make that the conflict. Have this guy be a racist. Have it, have it be a racial thing. And there's no yeah. racial tension, which yeah. is, to this day, kind of amazing to watch. Yeah, I love that. And that movie, it's... I first watched that because it's public domain it has this weird it's just kind of out there and I was my mom was always cool about letting me watch things I shouldn't watch horror movies and stuff Mm -hmm. and I was probably maybe like 12 or 13 and I believe from like Zellers or something from like the 199 VHS bin she brought me back Night Living Dead. Yeah, that double tape version. No, it was a single tape. <laughs> single tape and colorized. Oh, yeah. And I when would, a movie's public domain, they'll they'll colorize it, they'll animate over it. They'll, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And I just took it and took the TV and kind of turned it to black and white. <laughs> and I, was, I, I was a cool enough kid to do that at least. Oh, but I remember I remember starting it and the color was on and it it was just it's horrible. very garish. Oh, it looks yeah. all purple and. It's brutal. But so that was my first Night Living Dead, and I just fell in love with it. And then kind of watch... And I, I, I'm an age of that kind of video store at the, the corner store kind of thing, mm. where it had all those horror videotape covers with, like, either kind of subpar art or cool art. Mm. And I, I just remember being... The, the Dawn of the Dead and the Day of the Dead tapes were these kind of painted posters, mm. just like with a zombie on it, and with some hokey tagline yeah. and everything. And with that, like, kind of red plastic rented or not rented. And I remember looking at it and just being fascinated and being too young to get it. Mm-hmm. And with Edgar Wright talking about being on the set of Land of the Dead, and he said when he told George that they were doing Hot Fuzz, George kind of oh, yeah. sighed in a nice way and was like, oh, you're getting out. Good you're getting for you. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and you could tell that, like, all these horror filmmakers, they probably wanted to do different things. Oh, yeah. And you'll see even, like, the late, great Wes Craven, when he did... I have yet to see this movie, but he did like a a high school, yeah. yeah. And he did that, if I remember correctly. He said, "Look, let me do a normal movie." Yeah, he did a Meryl Streep film, and then I'll do Scream Three. I think that was like the yeah. the, the baseball card trade there, because he just wanted to do something else. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure if, if you would have went to George and said, "Like, do you want to just direct this?" drama he'd yeah. be sure yeah I'm sure he'd jump at it you know but well, that's why it was also bad for him it was like, I was just watching uh, There's Always Vanilla the other night and it's so oh crazy. really yeah it's, I'm not saying it's I've, great I've never seen it all the way through <laughs> it's uh, that's coming out on Blu-ray yeah, from yeah. Arrow Films mm-hmm. of all they're doing uh, There's Always Vanilla is George Romero's second film okay I, and it's, I've never seen it's it it's kind of a romantic drama mm-hmm. it was his attempt to not be typecast as a horror, horror guy yeah 
didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, well, just like, it, like that, I, I, it was funny, like, I'm trying to fill in the gaps, because I've just mainly seen the zombie stuff and, like, you know, a handful of other stuff. I've never seen, like, the dark half or anything like that, but I just, I feel so bad for filmmakers like him. Yeah. Especially in the later years, because it's just like, oh, we'll give you money if it's a zombie thing. And yeah. you got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. good luck with that. And it's just, it's too bad, because he, some of, like, Martin is incredible. And I just watched Martin again. Martin, so good. Martin's kind of, it's barely a horror film. I mean, you look at the poster, you look at the trailer, and it's like, oh, a vampire movie, and then right. you watch it, and it's really just about this kid with a, like, a mental illness. Yeah. I mean, he's, technically, he's a serial killer, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's just scenes of him interacting with his relatives and with this woman that he's, like, having an affair with, and it's kind of a drama, you yeah. know, in a blue-collar town. Yeah, and, and and when you see filmmakers who do get to be diverse, it's so like like of course Spielberg, right? Because Spielberg was Spielberg the first ten years of his career or whatever, and then when he started doing Color Purple and and uh, Schindler's List, and now it's almost when he's finally kind of going back to his roots a bit with Ready Player One coming out mm-hmm. next year or whatever, he's going back to his old ways, but he was able to get out and yeah. and just do really whatever he wanted. Whereas usually it's kind of a fight where I, I believe John Waters at one point had like a kids movie idea. And I think John Waters would make a great kids movie. It would be like it would be like a weird Pee Wee Herman kind yeah, of yeah. thing probably. Or David Lynch, he finally got to do oh, the, straight the straight story. story. Yeah, I love that movie. And no one believed him and he was like, no no, it's just like a G-rated character piece. <laughs> I still haven't seen that, and I hear it's it's really good. Oh, a really good movie. I yeah. saw that here ages and ages ago. Yeah, oh, it's really good. And it was like, I believe, distributed by Disney, or at yeah, least... Yeah, it was yeah. Disney, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. thinking of how crazy that was at the time. You did a I Disney think, movie. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> think Battlemente still did the score for that one as well. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And a great score. Like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's even like... So we are showing... I'm going to try to post this tonight or tomorrow, but if you listen to this right away, you can come and watch our tribute screening of... Creep show <clears throat> on Friday, July twenty first at eleven p.m. So it's a late. Creep show's late a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So, so George directed that, and Stephen King actually wrote the screenplay for that. And that's kind of an example too, where Stephen King's done all kinds of different stuff. Mm-hmm. He's known mostly for horror, but I wouldn't classify The Dark Tower as horror or oh, Green Mile even or a lot. Yeah, yeah Green yeah. Mile. A lot of his short stories, like The Body, which became Stand by Me, mm-hmm. but. Most people still, like 40 years in, say, oh, Stephen King, the horror guy. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know, I read a really good baseball book that he wrote, you know. So it's with everybody, really, in a career, when you you hit that stride, people still think that Stephen King's only writing Cujo books over and over again. Yeah. And, but yeah, so Creepshow, which is, it's all original Stephen King stories based on short stories, but it is, is kind of a tribute to the 1950s comic books that I think Stephen King was a big fan of. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a a host like Tales from the Crypt style. You almost think it should. Like, yeah, but it, it almost does, but yeah. doesn't. <laughs> and, and a lot of people, I always kind of get them confused sometimes with like Creepshow or Tales from the Crypt because they're mm-hmm. so kind of similar. Yeah, and then Creepshow 2 does have a host. Yes. But, and it's sort of implied that it's kind of the Crypt Keeper from the first one who wasn't a host. So like... re- yeah, I always forget that he didn't direct part two. He, yeah. he wrote it, or George wrote it, and it was based off of Stephen King stuff. And I'm sure he was on set. Just kind of... And I'm sure nowadays, like, nowadays the executive producer credit just gets, like, you watch a movie from the 70s, or like, you, you watch Empire Strikes Back. There's one executive producer, George Lucas. You watch... Like a Marvel movie nowadays, yeah. 
there's like 20 executive producers because just everybody of a certain power or contractual obligation yeah. gets an executive producer. So I'm yeah. sure George would have been an executive producer of Peep Show 2 if they would have mm-hmm. had that style back then. But Well, he wrote he wrote the script for that. He, he was listed as an executive producer on the remake of The Crazies. Oh, yeah. But he was like, yeah, I had nothing to do with that No. Movie. And that's an example. Like, Stan Lee gets an executive producer credit on every Marvel movie because he had some great lawyers who said, <laughs> Stan gets a paycheck on every Marvel movie and gets a credit. Yeah. And so Stan gets X amount of dollars. And I remember early on, I was like, oh, well, maybe he's reading the script of Iron Man and giving notes or, you know, comes <laughs> to the set and gives his opinion. No, he's not doing nothing. And now they got him executive producing stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy, which was created... Way after Stan's run yeah. as a writer. <laughs> and and I bet you you couldn't say, like, Stan, tell me the origin of Star-Lord. I, he probably couldn't, you know. <laughs> but I'll take the check. But yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. I don't Star-Lord. It reminds me of uh, Nicholson's Batman deal, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the percentage for everything. It's like, nicely done, Jack. Yeah. And Creepshow's a thing that I'm surprised there wasn't more. I, I guess maybe it's purely that Creepshow 2 didn't make money, but you would think that they could have made just kept making these yeah. if you see the third one you'll know why they stopped I well the, the third, third one creep show which is, just looks like oh god it looks like a fan film or it's, something the only like neat idea they had was a Tarantino-esque like make the stories all flow into one thing and it's yeah. like oh you can see the one thing from this story in mm-hmm. the first story but it was not good no and that's just what like somebody the license came yeah. up and somebody bought it before yeah. somebody better did just like Day of the Dead 2 Contagium oh that's the worst <laughs> oh. that should be allowed yeah. <laughs> it's like I remember, uh, this was a while ago, and there was a trend of straight-to-video sequels. And there was American Psycho 2. Ooh, yeah. With William Shatner. With William Shatner and Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, yeah. <laughs> the weird thing was, it was, if you watch the behind-the-scenes, which for some reason I did back in the day, <laughs> you could notice the clapperboard, and the clapperboard says, you know, teen killer or something like that. Oh, so what they did was, it was a completely unrelated horror film from American Psycho. They, whatever you would call it, I don't know the term, but bought the license or bought the title American mm-hmm. Psycho so they could rename their movie. Then they went and filmed a tiniest flashback scene of a young Mila Kunis underneath a table witnessing a murder. And that, so uh, they, Patrick, Patrick Bateman. Did yeah, it, and yeah. him like off screen. You don't, yeah, you don't see the actor. The back of some guy's head. Like, yeah. Oh, that's him all right. Yeah, and that's how it became American Psycho 2. And, like, that's amazing to me that that flew. And then there was another one. There was Cruel Intentions 2. And what it was was they took three or four episodes of a soap opera that never made it to air. Manchester Prep. And whittled it together. How do you know that? I have no idea. (laughs) Or that movie, The Skulls, with Carl Walker. It's amazing. Where they did a whole bunch. I'm like, so that movie made money? So they did. There's like three. Yeah. Like, I can't even. I don't know. I was looking through part two last week. I'm like, why am I doing this? I hate my life, apparently. Well, it is funny. Like, anytime somebody kind of snidely snips, oh, nobody asked for a sequel to Cruel Intentions. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they're not making it for creative reasonings. They made it because part two made enough for them to instigate this. So Mm -hmm. it's not their fault. Like, that's what they do. They try to make money. Yeah. And the reason there's 10 Friday the 13th and not 11 is because they made that many. Then the last one didn't make money and they went, oh, that's enough. Yeah. Like like there's five Planet of the Apes because the fifth one flopped. And yeah. they went, oh, that's enough of that. And now everyone loves it again with the new movies. Yeah. So it's like, what are you going to do? And, and now hopefully, from what I understand, Transformers 5 has not flopped per se, but not done well. Yeah. So fingers crossed, that means they'll maybe change their mind about making more of these now and... 
they can move on and do something else. Yeah, the GoBots franchise is waiting. The GoBots is waiting. <laughs> I wish. Man, the crazy thing uh, on that, by the way, is uh, there's two open water sequels, quote unquote. What? Yeah, and they so they shot a movie called Adrift, and then we're like, oh, no one's going to see Adrift. It's Open Water 2 Adrift. And now there's one coming out called Cage Dive that they've just renamed Open Water 3 Cage Dive. That's amazing. Yeah, so Hollywood. nothing to do. Completely done. And yeah. then in post, they're like, no, well, Hollywood's crazy. Man. Oh, so yeah. And so our other tribute movie this week is Crimes and Misdemeanors. <clears throat> Starring Martin Landau. In the his. late Martin Landau. My favorite role of his is probably Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. Hard not to love that. Which we, yeah. we can't screen that because it's a Disney movie. So shake your fist at those Disney vaults. Yeah. I haven't seen a ton, but I loved his era when he was on TV and he was doing like... Space 1999. Yeah, yeah. and Mission Impossible was amazing. You look at his resume, it's nuts. Like, he's just did 300 movie yeah. and TV shows. So and, and he's he's one of those guys, too, who he will have two or three films now come out post his death because mm-hmm. he's so busy. So Crimes and Misdemeanors, a real kind of classic Woody Allen film. He got an Oscar nomination out of it and a bunch of other awards. Uh, our normal films this week, we have... Beatrix at Dinner Returning, which I saw, I really liked a lot. Really good character piece movie. We have Paris Can Wait Returning as well, which Diane Lane has just cornered the middle-aged lady romantic <laughs> hero. Going on vacation in a... In a beautiful place. In a beautiful place. Beautiful cinematography. <laughs> yeah. Interesting kind of geek thing this week, a cinema geek thing, is that we have The Beguiled from Sofia Coppola. Mm. So this week you could come see Two Generations of women Coppola filmmakers. Oh, that's right, because Paris Can Wait is (laughs) Eleanor Coppola, her mother, and Sofia Coppola, the daughter. Yes. Beguiled's really good, by the way. You should come see it. It's got such a good cast, and I I totally forgot that it's a remake, like so many things nowadays. Of the Clint Eastwood film. Which which I saw when I was really young. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And was just disappointed because it wasn't like a... Again, I'm typecasting him. It, it wasn't a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. There wasn't enough of him like on a horse just killing dozens of people. <laughs> this isn't Paint Your Wagon. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why isn't anyone singing in this movie? So yeah, it's funny that it's... it's The idea of a remake gets tagged to stuff like Spider-Man or Planet of the Apes. But it's really everything nowadays is getting remade. And Beguiled, I think, was was a early 70s Clint Eastwood movie. And now it's Colin Farrell playing the Clint Eastwood part, and then a bunch of great actresses in it. I, I love Elle Fanning. Nicole Kidman, I really respect because she she could just be Hollywood, but she keeps mm. on doing these weird little yeah, art yeah. house movies. Yeah, and I really like that about her. Oh, she was in Stoker, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. No, that was uh, forget her name. Oh yeah, <laughs> but she's <laughs> well. Elle Fanning was in a another Sofia Coppola movie somewhere. Yes. Which is really good. We showed that. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like that one. I like that one. Yeah, though. that was a good one. Yeah, so two different uh, Coppola films this week from two different filmmakers. And then we have The Journey with... Colmini and uh, Timothy Spall. And they're both political opponents forced to take a car ride together yeah. and get along. Based on a true story. I love Colmini. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sounds good. It's funny. He's another guy who, ranging from... Star Trek to the commitments to like, and he's yeah. just this really great diverse character actor who every once in a while pops up in you know Con Air. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, who didn't pop up in Con Air? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Chappelle is in Con Air. Is he really? Yeah. I always forget that. Is he the guy who gets thrown from the plane? I think so. How old is he in Con Air? He must be a kid. Young, but he he looks like similar. Even in Half Baked, like he kind of looks the same. Yeah, yeah, it was the 90s. That's funny. 
Yeah, I forgot he was in that. Or like undercover brother, you know, he just pops up and yeah. random stuff. I'm like, hey, this is Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we have uh, an Audible premiere called The Bad Batch, which looks like a post-apocalyptic cannibal oh, yeah. movie. It's, it says like a cannibal romance. With a female hero. What's his name? Aquaman's in it, right? Oh, is it uh, Jason Momoa? I never know how to pronounce that. Jason, yeah, it. Jason Momoa, Keanu Reeves, Jim Carrey's in it. What? Keanu yeah. Reeves and Jim Carrey? Yeah, oh. and yeah. two Canadians, Giovanni Ribisi, and the girl, her name is Suki Waterhouse. Yeah. She's the lead. Man. And it's from the director of uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is really like, on paper this movie, I'm kind of like a bit hemming and hawing over. But when I hear it's from, from that director, yeah. I love that movie so much. I will give this movie a chance because of that. And it's it's Keanu and Jim Carrey are in it in pretty small roles. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I always ponder, like in 10 years, in 20 years, where will a certain actor be? And Jim Carrey... Not to besmirch the fine name of Jim Carrey, but I think he's kind of done. Like, I, it, it seems like in the past couple years, I can't think of the last... Just like Kick-Ass 2 is like the main thing I could think of. Yeah, and that's... He did an indie... There's another indie movie that he did, a Polish film, actually. Oh, really? Wow. And I don't know when that's coming out. Jeez. But, yeah, I guess he's just... He might be starting to do some smaller films now. Yeah. He's no longer, you know, Ace Venture, a box office... Camera, yeah, because you think, like, 20 years ago... Jim Carrey was could do no wrong, oh, yeah. really. Like larger than life, like really. just for money, anyhow. Like The Mask, and Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. And then even when he tiptoed into dramatic stuff, yeah, he, I think he got pretty good praise like, for like Truman the, Show and, and The Majestic, co-starring Martin Landau. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Set in a movie theater, so I'm a little biased to enjoying that one, even though yeah. it got kind of a bad rap for being too Capra-esque. But Bruce Campbell's in it. I remember oh, man. that. Is he? Jeez. Yeah, he plays like there. There's a scene where he's watching a movie. And Bruce is in the movie oh, as a Bruce Campbell-esque That's 1940s... That's neat. Yeah, it's like never say never because people always like a comeback. But like, it's been a while since Jim Carrey has done a really either critical or Mr. financial Mr. successful... Mr. Popper's Penguins? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Popper's Penguins. The Penguins were great. Were great. Jim yeah. Carrey, I can take or leave. <laughs> and when he tried to do... When they finally did a sequel to Dumb and Dumber... That didn't yeah. really work. So a couple of good bits, but I mean that's not a ringing endorsement. He needs he needs like a Quentin Tarantino comeback. Come yeah. and, and I think he will. Like he's there's gonna be something. Like he's gonna have the thick long beard. Like yeah, well, he does now. Yeah, he's got that <laughs> yeah. big he's, he's mountain man beard. Waiting for it, but like kind of the Kurt Russell esque beard. You know, like I'm yeah. just. I think because he's he can be a good actor, but you know, oh, he's yeah. also made enough money that he can kind of just do whatever he wants at this point. Yeah. And then Keanu has really never gone away. Like, no. like you, you look at his career going backwards from John Wick and the Matrix movies and mm-hmm. Speed and Bill and Ted. Nobody has a perfect record, but he's really never gone away and really has managed every five or seven years to have a really big hit film to yeah. kind of keep him going. Mm-hmm. Like right now with John Wick, he's back again and... I think John Wick 3 is on the horizon. Yeah, I'm sure. But again, he's an actor I appreciate because in my youth, if you were a movie star, you were a movie star. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Harrison Ford were not showing up in cameos or supporting roles. Now what's really cool with actors is you can be Matthew McConaughey and be nominated for an Oscar and at the same time be on TV. Mm. Or you can be an actor who will... I mean, Bill Murray's a great example, where Bill Murray will star in a film with his name above the title mm. or do a little cameo in a movie like within a couple months of each other. And he's really just doing whatever's a good 
part. Yeah. Whereas back in the day, you know, Harrison Ford had to be the star. And that's really changed in the last few years where Keanu can do the Bad Batch and his agents are probably like, yeah, fine, we'll go do John Wick 3 afterwards yeah, yeah. and you're making $12 to do this movie and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Craft services table fee, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then we have Rocky Horror coming back this Saturday night. I've lost track. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's The Room, I know. I know The Room. Yeah. We're at 95 months. Rocky Horror, we kind of... We haven't had it our full run of the Mayfair under our go, but now it is a monthly tradition. Did you see the... What do you think of the Disaster Artist teaser trailer? Oh, man. <laughs> the, the I have to hold my tongue, and I appreciate it, but on social media, the amount of emails or tweets I got of people saying, have you guys heard about this? <laughs> yeah. And and I just reply, yes, but I can't reply. But no, I, I joked with a friend that I can't end the sentence with Einstein or Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, what? The theater that showed this movie 95 months in a row and has had them as guests here yeah. and, and, you know, has talked about this film on social media and Greg came for a book signing of it. We never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> you need an alternate Twitter account to, like, get at the people through that. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can't deal with this. Yeah. So I appreciate people's excitement for it. And all I can say is we are ex- as excited as anyone. There's a misconception, which, and I always say, like, I don't know how a shoe store works, so I don't expect people to know how a movie theater works. But mm-hmm. we can't just say, hi, we would like Disaster Artist the day it comes out, please. Yeah. Because glass half empty, glass half full... It's getting really good buzz. Mm-hmm. And so that means they might give it a kind of award season push in December, which means we might not be able to get it till a little while after that. So we'll get it as soon as we can. And don't have to worry about that. But it might take a little while. But we'll get it. What we might get sooner is what's called Best Friends. The, mm-hmm. the yeah, Greg Sestero, good. Tommy Wiseau reunion film. That we have a better chance of getting a little bit sooner. Because that will be more of an independent film. But with Disaster Artists, what it is going to help the Mayfair with is it's going to be on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. It's going to be on the cover of Rolling Stone, maybe. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas we all know The Room. People listening to this podcast probably know The Room. But it's still, you go to Ottawa, you go to any city, most people still don't know what The Room is. Mm -hmm. So this is just going to help spread the word when Mm -hmm. James Franco or Seth Rogen are on Colbert or Daily Show talking about this. Is just going to garner more attention for us, which is excellent. Absolutely. And people won't confuse it with Room, which is a yeah. totally different film. My hope and dream, and, it, and it's way too early, but maybe Disaster Artist will get, say, an adapted screenplay nomination at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll get an actor nomination. Maybe. You know, yeah, it's hard to it say. Be. Hard to say. But if it gets an adapted screenplay nomination, I want it to win because... I'm sure Franco would bring Tommy as his plus one Mm -hmm. because Franco's kind of cool like that. And Tommy would rush the stage thinking that he has just won an Oscar. (laughs) And then to watch that, we always have our Oscar party at the Mayfair. It would be such a great, weird meta moment. So If you keep trying to play him off, you just know he's like, I'm not done yet. So yeah, I don't expect it to be, you know, to make $300 million, but I think it's going to do well. I I, I think uh, it's got a crazy cast and... The same way that Ed Wood was really great, I think it might be under that kind of yeah. weird biopic. That's a good comparison. I think that could be yeah, very similar. Yeah. Ed Wood didn't make any money, but it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, but everybody knows it. And when they think of Lando, you know, a lot of people just have it completely linked with that. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. 
mention one more movie this week is we are playing on Sunday afternoon Mayfair Kids Club the Muppet movie now I've been telling people come see this movie because I can't believe it's not in the Disney vault yet and it's only because of boring red tape stuff but the the distributor who had it before Disney bought the Muppets still has it and that contract will run out sooner or later whether it's 2017 or 18 or whatever Disney probably has the home video rights and not yes. the theatrical rights well Lee thought they might even have American rights you might not be able to watch it okay. theatrically in the states yeah you know so this is really a fun rare thing to see the Muppet movie on the big screen where any minute now Disney might retain the rights to it and you'll never get to see it again so yeah. do come out to see that that's a lot of fun so that's playing on Sunday afternoon at uh, 1 o'clock as part of our kids club so that's our week that's our packed week of movies mm-hmm. nine films this week that's huge due to kids club and a couple of sad passing aways of George and Martin Landau mm. nice that we get to do that though with the weekly schedule it is yeah. yes and I always point to that of I grew up on the monthly schedule and I appreciate yeah. it but it's when kind of sad things like this happen we might not have been able to squeeze in a George movie till September yeah because say if the August schedule had been done by now, by mid-late July, it might have been set in stone, and that could have been the end of it. So we would have had to wait, and then kind of buzz dies down, and people get distracted. So it's always a sad reason, but when someone dies like this, it's very nice to be able to quickly pay tribute. And it is very nice to go sit in a theater with a bunch of other nerds and Mm -hmm. just watch. So a friend of mine asked if I was going to Toronto, because I guess in Toronto they're doing a tribute. On Monday, I think. And I was like, I don't think I'll be able to make that, but my my tribute will be here at the Mayfair. This is the best trivia you could do, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that'll be a a fun, sad night for George Romero fans. I guess we're going to wrap things up. These two guys have to go back to work Mm because there's a movie screening right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're multitasking this. So thanks for listening. Go check out all our social media for updates. I've done like seven or eight posters in the past two days mm-hmm. so if you check our front page of the website you'll see a bunch of new stuff yeah lots for, of new for real i think it's like eight new posters i put up so check that out go visit our friends at house of targ before you come see a movie get some pierogies they got batman forever a new pinball <laughs> which not a good film but man it's a flashback <laughs> to 95 jim carrey there you go yeah and uh oh my god Sorry, that's my alarm. Andrew's phone's ringing. He has to wake up. That's the end of podcast alarm. That's the end of podcast alarm. <laughs> and we're on Uber Eats now. Yeah. You can order, oh, yeah. You can order fresh popcorn and other treats. I did that for the first time the other day. I sent, sent out some popcorn and it was... Yeah. The guy walks in, and, and uh, Anya said the exact same thing. The guy walks in, looks very confused as to why he's in a theater, and then you hand him the popcorn, and he goes, this? And you go, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, you can do that as well. Okay, let's get out of here. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for joining listening. us. Good times. Bye, and stop. Coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creepshow. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls, cringe at weird kids, and shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Bell. Creepshow will grab you. 
grow on you and give you the creeps. Oh, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have being scared.